Welcome to the Family Law Now podcast. I'm Russell Alexander. Today we have a really interesting podcast. It's on the court's mandatory information program, sometimes referred to as MIP. So this is sometimes the first notice litigants get when they're going to court. It requires them to attend an information session. I know it can be a very scary and overwhelming experience. People don't know what to expect when they go to court. They don't know what to wear. They don't know if they're going to see a judge. Uh, this is a mandatory program, so I thought it would be useful to provide some background information just so you can get an understanding as to what to expect, and it's really not that overwhelming. We have a very senior lawyer, Sonia Kirk, joining us today. She's a member of several practice groups, including Durham and York Region. She's been doing family law since 2003. More importantly, you have a meditation room in your firm. Tell us about that. <laughs> I don't take any credit, but yes, there is a, uh, a space at um, the kind of law chambers, the group of us work at, and um, one of our lawyers there, um, Nicole Copping Pavars, is very generous with her time and offers a Monday meditation to kind of set the set the tone for the week. Awesome. And, yeah. Hot yoga going on in there too? Not yet. Not yet? All right. <laughs> We're also joined today by Douglas Milstom, who's been practicing family law since 1976. He was also involved with the Office of the Children's Lawyer, and he used to do law before typewriters and computers were involved, or I guess he had one of the early computers. I did, I did actually. Um, um, whiteout was a staple of the uh, practice. And, and carbon paper? Well, the big invention was NCR, no carbon required. So. Right. Right. We've, uh, and, and I had an assistant who had a, a long time uh, lost skill. She was wonderful with shorthand. I don't think anybody can even spell that anymore. And you're one of the first Macintosh uh, uh, yeah, buyers. Did. How I much did. was the first Macintosh that you bought? Oh gosh, it was a two or three thousand dollars. It was very, very expensive. Unfortunately um, for Macintosh, uh, Windows usurped and here we are in the PC world. Right, right. It's come a long way, that's for sure. Well, thank you so much for being here today. Uh, just by way of background, we wrote a, a blog on the MIP program about eight years ago. It commenced July 18, 2011. It was implemented by the Ontario Ministry of the Attorney General, requiring each spouse to attend a mandatory information program before they're able to file their pleadings and proceed to court. Um, there's a couple programs out there, one for couples with children and one's for other couples. Um, we're going to talk a little bit more about that in detail today, but let's make a start. So what is the goal of the mandatory information program? Can you maybe start with that one, Sonia? Um, I think it's, it's twofold because we, present, we have two presenters typically. So each presenter has a different role. So um, you usually have somebody who's a mediator social work, kind of family, professional background. And as they're part of the presentation, they're focusing on the impact of divorce on families, kids, um, the parties involved. So they do spend a lot of time kind of, you know, identifying what probably most people in the room are already feeling and trying to normalize it to be like, this is normal. This right. the fear, the anger, the unknown. This is all normal. It's part, you have to go through this. Right. Do you know, to get closure, to come to an end. And then there's the lawyers. So the lawyers are talking more about 
the, the process. So what are the steps? Uh, what sort of court things can you expect? What can you expect for the judge? Um, there's a great component where they talk about, you know, what do you do that day? Something right. as simple as, do you stand? How do you in, how do you speak to the judge? Right. Um, courtroom not decorum. Every, yeah, courtroom decorum. Um, whether you have a lawyer or not. Mm -hmm. uh, so yeah, I think it's a, a pretty good summary overview of of what you can kind of expect for people who've never really done this before. And Douglas, how are presenters selected? Who gets to present? It's a very interesting question. I thought two, two comments about that. It's, I did the MIP program for many years in Newmarket and uh, uh, Justice Ron Kaufman is a friend of mine right. and recruited me. He said, Doug, I need you to do this. So that's how I got picked. How anybody else I have no idea. Right, right. So just by way of background, when you're going to court, people should expect it's sort of like a small airport. There's going to be, especially in the larger centers, there's going to be security there. Yes. They may check your items before you go in. Um, there's going to be, it's going to be quite busy, so you should try to arrive early. Um, what type of room are MIP sessions held in? Is it in a courtroom? Is it a conference room? How do people find out where to go? In Newmarket, uh, it's in the uh, bail court. It's right. in one of the criminal courts. And it's at uh, 6 o'clock in the evening. So the court's pretty quiet. And people coming in check through pretty, pretty easily. And they're in a okay. courtroom setting. And uh, the uh, family professional presenter and the lawyer sit on the, uh, where the clerk sits. And what should they bring? And how should they dress when they're coming to court? They can come however they like. Can they use their phones while the MIP sessions? No, no phones. Are they allowed to record it? I ask, uh, my personal style is to ask that they not because okay. quite often people, we, I do try to encourage people not to share too much because right. it is a public forum. Um, so they don't want to share maybe identifying information. But out of respect for people's privacy, I my style is to say no and also to kind of introduce people as what they can expect sure. in court. So, right. and, I, and it, people are there after work, they've left their families, their kids, all this kind of stuff. And my worst thing is having a phone ring. Right, right. right. And, and you just, the, the temperature in the room goes up and people are kind of like, who's the culprit? Um, so just out of respect for everybody's time, I, I, you may have a, a different style, but I say no. Unless somebody specifically says, I need this right. because to as an accommodation to process the information. I, I I would be considerate, but I typically my rule of thumb is no. We usually don't allow recording. What's what's an interesting concept is people come with supports, yes. and sometimes right. people come with their children. And can their children stay, or can yeah. their children not stay? So we discourage very much bringing children to court is pretty much frowned upon unless it's absolutely necessary. But, but sometimes people do because this is right at the dinner hour. Right. Often people who bring their kids will have a support person so the kids will be removed. And is there a chance for the public to ask questions during the process? It's interesting. Um, <laughs> yes. You know, it's in two parts, as you mentioned. One right. is for <clears throat> people who have property and support issues, and then people who have child-related issues stay for the second part of it. So we try to have people, uh, at least I try to have people ask questions after I've finished each segment of what, I, what it is I have okay. to say, so they're Great not stuff. lost. 
Now, an applicant is what we call a person who starts a court proceeding. A respondent is the party responding to that proceeding. Do they both show up at the same time, or do they have all the applicants come to one MIP session and the respondents show up at another? You know, am I going to see my spouse there if I show up? How does no, that work? No, you're not. Um, the applicants are in one session, and if you'll pardon me, the poor sods who are the respondents who have to be there come separately as right. well, and they're the ones who just don't want to be there. They can't believe this is happening. And some of them don't want to be divorced in there. Some of them don't want to be divorced. You know, just, so, ha- just, just Someone are upset that the other person beat them to it, right? right. They, 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 they got, got to the gate first. first. You have people who have counsel, uh, you know, the, the top of the top lawyers from, you know, big downtown Bay Street to, you know, smaller community. You have, it, it, there's so many different people. I've had people there with translators. People um, show up with their lawyers to uh, no, 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 they'll have a translator. Oh, okay. So I've had a few times where someone where English is not their first language, right. they've brought a translator along to help translate um, right. through, throughout the process. Let's so, just back up to that point because it's interesting. I always have clients say, I want to I want to be the applicant or I want to get my documents out yeah. first. There's no advantage if you're the applicant or the respondent, but they think there is, right? I, I think there there could be, you know, me putting my amateur psychologist hat on perhaps. Um, for some people it's important because it's the first time they found their voice. Right. So being the one to start that application is them asserting that you know what, like I, I have a voice. Sometimes they've been forced to because the other person has done what's called an ostrich. They're just burying their head and they're right. not. So there's lots of reasons to do it, but legally, um, some people feel it's important because they like an opportunity to do the reply. Okay. So they, they want to be able to... Get two kicks at the can. So uh, well, speak. yeah, they want to say, here's my story, here's what I'm claiming. The other person's going to respond within the requisite time period and then they want to be able to maybe have the final word or be That's able to respond. Yeah, so. I never thought about that. Well, just to take your first comment about what we try to do one step further, um, not only are we describing the court process, but particularly for respondents, because I agree with you, applicants want to be there, whether it's finding their voice or the respondent is an ostrich, and I quite agree. Um, however, many applicants are also self-represented and they see no other option. Right. You know, it's like the family feud. We asked 100 members of our audience, what's your top of the list thing to do when you, have a, when you want a divorce? I go to court. So one of the other things that we do in MIP is to describe all of the other options that are available to them. And I think we try to, at least for me, try to make that a takeaway. Yeah. Yes. And we've got some, some slides and we'll make, try to make them part of our podcast show notes today that we're going to take a bit of a deeper dive into that. If you don't attend, Doug, uh, is there a consequence to you? If, let's just say I'm not going this thing. You have to go, otherwise you won't be able to file, you won't be able to continue in the court process. You need to get a, we, at the end of this, at the end of the MIP session, each of the uh, attendees comes and has their notice to attend right. stamped to certify that they were there and they can use that document to be able to f- continue in the court process. So if a respondent files a, re- a reply or an answer yeah. and doesn't bother to show up to the MIP program, is there a sanction? They or can't file their answer. Or their case conference brief. Or their brief case conference brief right. until they've been to MIP. Right. right. Okay. 
And, and just for your listeners, um, there's a number of times where, oh my gosh, I forgot my form. I didn't have, right. I don't have my form, my, I don't have my form. Um, the form to get stamped. The, the MIP form that you've got to get stamped and signed by the presenters. So at the very least, have a photograph of it on your phone. At the very least, have your court file number. Right. Because the worst thing is, oh my gosh, I have nothing. I was, you know, life caught up. I forgot. Right. I rushed. Right. Um, but if you have your court file number, we can, we can fill one out we for you. We actually have the court file numbers. We've actually created the forms for people. But unfortunately, there have been times where people have rescheduled. Right. So it's more for that. So at right. the very minimum, have that court file number. It's just, just as an insurance policy because it, it can be frustrating. Sometimes. So this is an information program for people who have lawyers and assume their lawyers have already told them all this information. Are they still required to attend if they've already got a lawyer, they've got the information about the court system, or can they skip it? They're required to attend. Um, because it's, I find, and Doug, I, I don't know about your experience, but I find that I get a lot of people, even with lawyers, not sure how to talk to their lawyer. Right. And right. I spend, I field quite a few questions where it's like, okay, Ask your lawyer, have that conversation to say, okay, I need, I have questions. Here are my questions. How do I ask them? Um, what are appropriate questions? So part of so, it so is- So a good way to prep people to deal with their own lawyers. There's that and there's times, and again, it depends on how quickly they've started the court application. So you've assumed that there's been months and months of buildup somebody's maybe been working with their lawyer for two weeks right so they're not right. at that point quite yet where the lawyer's been able to talk to them manage expectations and, and delve into th certain issues so this i find is at least a checklist of go back what are the questions you need to ask your lawyer about great tips. you know yeah. um so i think there's a lot of benefit uh as to what like informing yourself what should i be asking my lawyer about or i went to the mip can we this triggered a question or we haven't talked about this yet can we because this right. is important to me right now right. i'll often hear my lawyer never told me about that my lawyer didn't do this there's all i hear all kinds yeah. of what lawyer my stories lawyer yeah. stories about what they did or did not do i've had participants say i want to talk to you Yes. Can you be my lawyer? Can you be my lawyer? Right. Can I come for a consultation? This is from... I assume you can't. If you're yeah, you're sure you can. You it, can? If, if they're self-represented. Okay. It's, it's, it's okay to, to have someone contact you. Right. I find a really good tip for clients is even if they're going to MIP, take a pen and paper, like, sign, like you're saying, write these questions down and take them in on your pad of paper to the lawyer and go through them one by one. I'll often meet with clients. We may cover four or five things, and then they get home and they say, "Oh, there's I forgot to ask you this question." Yes. Yeah. So write it down, take it with you. I think is a really good tool. I, I think what the program's done very well, though, is you get a copy of the slides, so they're there with you. So if you don't bring the paper, at least you will have something. You have a And there's yeah. so many materials. I mean, there's a ton of bookmarks, materials. Um, we 
I think almost every slide, we refer them to the Ministry of the Attorney General's website and right. we wave the little bookmark they're given to say, right. go there. Um, and that's a fantastic resource yes. to get forms, to find out about the rules, very uh, user-friendly, designed for the public. So it's a great website to send them to. There's an excellent, excellent sheet that I've actually taken and I give to clients in my office about what to look for in a parenting plan. Right. Yes. They have no idea. People just can't contemplate that life goes on, things happen, and yet they've got to deal now as, as a separated parents with a list that is almost unimaginable uh, about what they need yeah, to Yeah, like that, that sometimes end up being, if you're negotiating a separation agreement or minutes of settlement, like, 30, 40, 50 paragraphs right. of the minutiae. Sounds like it'd be a good tool for lawyers to Haircut. have with them too. It is. You know, who's because when you're at court, you, you overlook some of these things too. Yes. It's yeah. a big checklist. And again, whether you have a lawyer or not, it's a great reference. Like, have I asked my lawyer these questions? Have I put my mind to this? Are we in the right process? Right. right. I think, I think one of the subtexts, and I'm not sure if everybody picks it up, maybe a lot of the self-represented people do, but the other options that are available outside of court, uh, the, um, the family professional highlights uh, the mediation uh, facility. This, uh, in, in Newmarket, it's uh, run by uh, Blue Hills. Right. And they have a, a mediation program outside of court. That's a real hot topic. I was going to dive into it a bit later, but now's a good time. You have, I, I assume this program's about two hours long, and we spend a fraction of the time talking about alternative dispute resolution and maybe a paragraph talking about collaborative practice. Yeah. Uh, I know the lawyers who practice collaboratively uh, do the best they can to promote it, um, but it seems a bit kind of lopsided in terms of this is such a fantastic option but the public is not getting the information at the front end. Well, let me help you here. <laughs> I, have I to, see you're ready to jump oh, in. Your chair, to, he's passionate about this. I one. really, you know. And I am too. I so here's, a, here's, a, here's just a bit of history. I can't remember how many decades ago but at some point in time at the, at the Ontario Court of Justice then the Provincial Court Family Division at 311 Jarvis Street they wanted to do some kind of information program. And it may have been about court or mediation. Right. But they had a script. And for some reason, it was done by people at York University. And for some reason, I was asked to audition. And I auditioned, but I did not 100% read from the script. And I was rejected. Right. Why? Because I didn't read from the script. Or the committee put two years into preparing the script, and you can't deviate from Could, it. Could very well be, or this was the ministry directive, whatever, Russell, I agree with you. When it comes to MIP, there's nobody monitoring my filters. So <laughs> I was uh, being recorded, just letting you know. <laughs> oh, I have no difficulty, okay. believe me. At the number of years I've been practicing, you know, do whatever you like. But anyway. This is a great sounding board. So I'll take that back. script and I'll look through it. And when it comes to my turn, I will cover everything that's there, but I stand up. And I try to engage these folks right. as positively as I can. I might even use my, my therapist colleague as an example about she and I and our children and what we can do or not yeah. do. And I will talk about mediation and I will talk about collaborative 
and I will talk about MedArv, and I will say that there are lots and lots of ways to do things outside of court that are empowering, and the difference between walking away unhappy or something you can live with, and I'm just happy to do that because I yeah. think these folks deserve it. The number of people, when you start talking about options other than court, I find, and I, and I intentionally look at the room, and people who've been dozing off, people who've been on their phones, mm -hmm. just perk up. And it's like you're it's, telling you're them... You're turning on a light. They didn't even know there was oh another Oh my option. gosh, you're giving them some gift. And, it's, and I stress, I, uh, for me, my little go-to is if you take nothing away from today, understand there are so many opportunities in this journey, whether it's six months, two years, whatever it is, in, in kind of working through these issues, you can settle one issue with mediation. That's a success. Because it's one last thing you're going back to the right. judge about. You can settle 14 things with the assistance of a family neutral. So you can cleave off things. You can settle parenting inside or outside of court and then take other issues. So there's no, you have to do it this way. Yeah. It's your life, your process. Customize it. Walking into the MIT program is really your first step into the collaborative pro and sorry, not the collaborative, the adversarial process. So what you're doing is you're setting the stage for conflict where you have a he said, she said. You have very good lawyers trained to litigate these matters. We often put it before a judge who has a limited range of results, you know, they got a certain box in the legislation that they need to work with. Uh, you're doing a rights-based analysis, you know, it's based on the legislation as the court sees it and the facts as the court sees it. The court may not agree with your story or your view of your family or what you think the most important thing about parenting could be. Uh, you juxtapose that with these alternative options that you guys are talking about. Let's just take collaborative practice for an example. We're going to focus on goals and interests. Yeah. So all of a sudden the paradigm shifts. You're looking at uh, what's important to you, what's important to your family. We can be as creative as we need to. We can come up with solutions that judges cannot come up with. Um, and it, it, we can also spend the time. I'll never forget sitting at a judge's lunch, being hosted up in, in Newmarket, and you have, like, these are long-standing people who are well-respected before they join the bench and that's all they do is they make decisions in family court matters and one of the judges standing up and saying you have a four-page limit in your case conference brief and I thought of my life right what I own what I do my three beautiful children and I have to parse that down into four pages Right. And potentially, what, maybe an hour, if you're lucky, with the case conference judge? And these judges do hard work. You know, there have been a number of times where it's been longer and longer. It's amazing that people will voluntarily subject themselves to that. Right. And there are so many options. options where you can find a voice. You can take the time to kind of dive into, like, right. why is it important? Like, the story, I remember my collaborative training, two people fighting over an orange. And then when you kind of delved into it, realized, well, somebody needed the peel for something when somebody wanted the juice. Right. So, okay. The, like, 
every collaborative meeting I start where we have the parents, I say what's the most important thing. They both yep. say the children. Right off the bat, they're working on the same page. Right. Yeah. Uh, every motion, or most motions I see regarding parenting or custody, you hear these awful things about parents uh, saying against the other parent in terms of what their conduct was, or they left the kids in the car when they went to the bank machine. Just And it, and it's, it just goes off in the wrong direction right off the bat. There are two parts to that, actually. First right. of all, I try to emphasize at MIP that you and your partner may have a, the end of an intimate relationship, but you're, you, and, you and she or he will be the parents of your children, God forbid, until somebody dies. You have right. decades, decades ahead of you until that moment in time when you need them more than they need you. And two, I try to share with them that coming to court is like buying a suit off the rack or buying clothing off the rack, right. or if you use any other alternative, particularly collaborative, you can have something that's tailor-made. That's a fantastic point. And I know we'll have a case conference with an experienced judge with excellent briefs, get good recommendations. The judge has thought the case through. Literally, the, the few steps I walk outside the courtroom, my client turns to me and said, what just happened in there? They have no idea what's going on, other than the judge says, come back in three or four months and we'll talk about it again. Right. And it's such a dissatisfying experience for the client. Um, where And they don't get a voice, right? The, the judge wants to hear from the lawyers. It's not the client's role unless the judge calls upon them to say anything. If you do it using these other methods, such as collaborative, you have a voice. You could, your story can be told. We can take into account uh, things that may not be legally relevant, but are important to you. I, th I think, though, what, back to your point of you know, everybody recognizing that children are the most important. The number of decisions I've been reading lately, whether it's, doesn't matter what level of court, and it's about custody, it's about access, it's about parenting time, decision making, and nine times out of, the, out of 10, the judge finds these are both good parents. But they're just looking at things differently. Right. They've spent so much time, you know, painting such a poor picture of the other parent they've lost track that they're good, both good parents. And somebody on the outside, like a judge, like a neutral family professional, um, we talk about the office of the children's lawyer, having somebody in from the outside, recognizing that and saying, yeah. okay, you know, um, it's, it's pretty amazing, that kind of light bulb moment of, yeah, we are both good parents, and how do we build on that? We're all fans of ADR or collaborative practice. We're deviating a little bit from the MIT program, but I think it's important that the public learns these options yes. are out there. And if your lawyer doesn't have the training, um, they can get the training. You can hire a different lawyer that does have the training. You, there's lots of options out there. Mm -hmm. So let's take a look at some of the slides that we have here and just do sort of a, a deep dive into the program. We think we've covered off the introduction. Do you want to just sort of briefly walk us through the highlights of part one, and then I'll get Doug to do part two? Sure, so um, a lot of this first part is being presented by um, the, the family professional mediator that, that's um, presenting. And so is this, sorry, is this the section for people without kids or with kids? So everybody's Every, sitting there everybody, together okay. at this point. So Got the it. first, this, this 
Part one everybody is going to be... Everybody does part one. Everyone does the first section. Yes. So part one is you have everybody in the room regardless of what your issues are. So it talks about relationship breakdown. So right. whether you have kids or not, like, there's, there's impact. So um, they do a very good job of, of breaking down some things, emotions you can be feeling. Um, I, I, it's amazing to watch people when, when the presenter says it takes sometimes upwards of two years for somebody to kind of complete, kind of complete their grieving. The or, jaw just drops. Or, yeah, they're like, what do you mean two years? No way, like I'm gonna do it in six months. Um, I've already got a new partner. <laughs> I've, I've moved on six months ago, right? But so, so those sorts of things and, and ways of, there's a, a lot of focus on self-care. Right. You know, taking the time, making sure that you are healthy so that you can be the best parent, the best friend, the best, you know, child to adult parents, whatever your roles are. Um, and then things, we do spend time in saying what things could make um, resolution more difficult. So we do touch on um, domestic abuse. Um, we talk about... Uh, mental illness, substance abuse, and that recognizing that if that is present, that it does, we have to spend some more attention to that. Right. We, we need to address those things in some fashion and that it can complicate things. Um, it's not impossible. So we do talk about things like, you know, ensuring people who have um, experienced domestic abuse are coming into the courtroom safely right with support if needed that they're leaving the courtroom safely um, and that there are a lot of community resources um, so introducing people to those resources because it might be the first time they're hearing it that's right um, or or the types of resources that are being introduced may be the first time they're hearing it so it's a nice opportunity and again lots of materials um, available uh, we, we spread them all out and we I know I do at least, and usually the people I'm presenting with, we mention it a few times. Take a break, go through it. Take the what's hand is from the Ministry of the Attorney General and oh, Blue Hills uh, Mediation Services. I know the various pra uh, collaborative practice groups have information. Um, lots of social services. Um, Clio has materials. So right. there's a there's um, federal government has materials. Lots right. of lots of community groups have brochures there as well. Great stuff. And part two, Doug, what do we cover off? Well, part two is really all of the, uh, all of the legal issues. So I have to be candid. By the time I get to the, I'll, I'll come to them in a sec, by the time I get to the end, I find that it's incredibly overwhelming. To there is a lot of information in the process. There is a ton of it. So I try to emphasize for people who are self-rep about getting legal advice, how to do that, how to consider uh, a consultation, how to find a lawyer who can do a consultation that works for them, that isn't necessarily costly. So a consultation is to sort of your first meeting with a lawyer to get some advice and to see if that lawyer is right for you. Or if they're in the middle of the process, if they're an applicant or a respondent and they're self-rep, how to get some legal advice about what their particular sure. issue is without wading into court, not knowing what the law is about. Right. Because MIP 
isn't giving them a legal education. Yeah. It's giving them a process education. And there are some lawyers who provide unbundled legal services. So yes. if you've got a case conference coming up, you can hire that lawyer to prepare your conference brief or even give you tips in terms of how you should proceed with your case conference. Absolutely. And they and actually reference, um, there's, a, there's the limited scope services. There's an actual website now available for people right. that they, right. um, lawyers have gone a little training um, so it's, it should be listing, uh, providing a right. real comprehensive list of, of lawyers who do specifically provide those unbundled services. And just for the public, when we say limited scope, ordinarily a, a lawyer is retained from start to end to help you with your family file. Right. When you say limited scope, you're saying, I'm only, I'm only going to hire you to take care of this one issue. And right. then, then your relationship's over, I want to come back and hire you for some more I can. There'd be all kinds of reasons for a, a lawyer could be there in the background. Right. I've been to court. This is what happened. Can you help me with it? Or guide me along the way. I want to be able to come and chat with you as, as this case moves along. Right. So I spend a lot of time about that. I talk about if you can't afford a lawyer, how can you organize payment? How can you apply for legal aid? What's the story about legal aid? What's pro bono? There's all kinds of information, so I try to emphasize that. I try to emphasize the difference between an Ontario married and unmarried right. couples. Just I, to back up one second, sure. Douglas, if, even if you hire a lawyer just to do your brief, the judge will read your brief before the conference starts. So the judge is going to know sort of what your best arguments are uh, in a succinct fashion. And that's a really effective tool as well. So the lawyer may not come with you to court but your brief will be prepared by uh, a lawyer and the, the judge will have a good idea what your legal arguments are going right, to be. Right, and hopefully we'll have put your best foot forward exactly, rather than a pile of right. information that's not relevant right. or not helpful. Because I have this vision of uh, litigants going into court, they've got the grocery bag full of documents unorganized and the judge asks them a question and the bottom of the grocery bag falls out and the documents fall on the floor. Right? So it's not a good start. But if you have a four-page brief that says these are my arguments and it's already been filed and typed up properly, it's a much more effective piece of advocacy. Or the exact opposite. I sit as the dispute resolution officer in Oshawa for motions to change. Right. And the briefs that I see are monosyllabic. I'm not agreeable. He doesn't deserve it. Right. I have, or blank. Right. Not a shopping bag. An, an empty brief blank form blank form no <laughs> but, just but, no <laughs> big marker across the form but i think that's also a part in pro uh, the problem is also the court forms used for motions to change there are a lot of tick boxes right. and you know so so a lot of people don't take the opportunity or don't know to take the opportunity to say no and here's why yeah. um yes and here's why um, and keep in mind, I've been to DROs who uh, do motions to change, and they do a fantastic job. And I was talking to one, and I looked behind the person, the DRO, the officer, and there's a shot, there's a file card of four banker's boxes from the first go around. I'm thinking, my God, you got to go through four banker's boxes just to understand what are we changing here, right? right. You know, so if you don't have a good brief or a good motion to change. It's going to be hard for the court to understand what's relevant, what do I need to read. They're not going to read four bankers' boxes for the first conference. Um, so it's helpful, part two, 
to take that a step right. in explaining to people what they need to be able to provide to a judge, whether they have a lawyer or not. Um, and then I'll explain some of the, just the little pieces because I'm obliged about spousal support and enforcement. I'll, right. I'll talk about financial disclosure as a cornerstone to whatever they do. Absolutely. Yeah. Doesn't matter whether you're negotiating at the kitchen table, just the two of you, or you're in a full-blown court, if it isn't transparent, you can have a boundary, but the boundary is glass, yeah. and you need to be able to see through it financially, and people need to know that. So you can make an informed decision, and the first thing lawyers will attack if there is an agreement is, well, if the disclosure wasn't complete, we're gonna set it aside, and you're starting all over again. They know that from the get-go, that right. they need to be open, straightforward, and then I'll get to the alternatives. Okay, so here you are in court, but what are your options? Especially if you'd rather not be here. It could even be the applicants who had to wake up the ostrich right. and say, now that you're here, what can you do? What can you suggest? Or to the respondents who didn't want to be there in the first place, here's what you can do. Here's what you can start to suggest and talk about mediation and collaborative and mediation arbitration and all of those pieces and that takes a fair amount of time because people are really unaware of them and they want to hear. So in the part two, by the time I get to the part that talks about the court and the court process and the conferences and the motions and all the rest of it, I try to do that in 25 words or less because right. by the time they've gotten there, it's, if you can see my arms, their eyes are starting to gloss over. Gloss over, it's become overwhelming and daunting. I think it's important for people to be mindful as well. Simply because you're in a court process, if you and your spouse agree, you can put the brakes on that at any time and try some of this alternative dispute resolution. You can see a mediator if it's a parenting issue. You can see a social worker or a parenting coordinator. If it's a financial issue where you're having problems resolving it, you can engage a financial professional to maybe prepare joint net family property yep. statements. So you're not required to continue on with the court case. You can stop this runaway train, so to speak, at any point and start focusing on resolution. You know, when you're in court, I say to people in many respects, you've abdicated your ability to problem solve to somebody else, right. to a third party who doesn't know your children, doesn't understand your unique circumstances. The only people who really understand the two of you while your perspectives may have changed over the course of time in your relationship are the two of you. You're, right. the, you're really the only two who can manage this. But people also aren't aware that there's opportunities where you're both under the same roof in that courthouse. Right. So, you know, show up early. Understand that, you know, in, in, in Oshawa and Newmarket, there's probably two or three other matters scheduled for 9 30 10 o'clock yeah. so take the opportunity if there's something to talk about start talking um well you see these spouses who spent 20 years together sitting apart in the courtway hallway staring each other down not saying a word yes that's an opportunity to settle your case potentially or some issues in your case yep there's lots of little conference rooms so people can shuttle between there um and also once you've had the opportunity to actually hear from the judge at a case conference right okay we've now you know judges processed heard from us read our materials they've shared with us 
here's what I think or what should be done. You know, you need some more financial disclosure. Maybe we're going to get um, the Office of the Children's Lawyer involved or here are my views. You know, right. I think, you know, you're going to have a good chance at this. No, you're not going to win there. And now have you, are you going to take the opportunity and build on that momentum out in the hallway? So people kind of, again, I like watching the room, what attracts you can see from people's body language right. and I will kind of feed off of that and be like, okay, let maybe they want to spend a little bit more time and saying, yeah, spend an hour or two, ride I that think, momentum. I think you should ask yourself some hard questions. If you're one of these litigants and you get a recommendation from the court and you're not prepared to follow that recommendation, you need to maybe start asking, am I here for some other improper purpose? Um, the judges are neutral. They don't advocate one side or the other. Ideally, most cases were resolved when they get the recommendation from the court. It, it certainly gets conversations going. Yeah. And, and it could be, again, you could settle your whole case that day. You could end up um, settling a few issues. You could, it could sometimes inflame a few issues. Right. Um, right. And sometimes people legitimately need time to process. They need to, you know, they need to step away, really think about what the judges said, get some advice, and then being away from that building, then they're ready to yeah. You don't want to get make decisions. from Morris and say, what did yes. I just do? Or I didn't understand what I signed yesterday, right? That's a big one, yeah. Well, that's great stuff. Thank you so much. We've had a really good discussion on this mandatory information program. We've been going for over 40 minutes now. So we're going to break this into a two-part series. I want to thank Sonia and Doug, for joining me for the first part. If you've enjoyed this podcast, please share it with your friends and colleagues. Stay tuned. Part two to the Mandatory Information Program will be coming out shortly. Thank you for listening.